We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate the those fantasy leagues in 2021. Where's the tackle? Watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Dave on the Co. And you can find me over on Twitter at StayFunLaCo. If you're joining us for the first time, College to Can is a show about the journey of the best football players and prospects from being a college football recruit all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And of course, we always talk about some fantasy football since this is a Rotoviz radio podcast. But we make sure to dive into some of the real college football and NFL analysis too. Last week, Travis was able to talk to two officials, one from the SEC and one from the Sun Belt. And please do go check out that episode. They had some really hilarious stories. It was just fantastic uh, of Henry Ruggs beating him to the end zone. It was it was good stuff. But this week, as you can tell, I am without Travis starting on the solo journey. And because I needed all the help I could get, I brought in my good friend, Chris Harris of the Harris Football Podcast, the award-winning Harris Football Podcast. Chris, it is good to talk to you again. Welcome in. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I'm really excited uh, to talk to you today. I have been in the world of college football uh, pretty much all offseason and really just starting to dive back into NFL. And I know that your podcast is now uh, daily again. And so I have been catching up as much as possible so that I can feel up to speed <laughs> for when the uh, the season uh, starts up on us here. Well, thank you. We need the listeners. Yeah, no, it's great. And it's so funny, like, because I, I know that you and I share a similar kind of mentality about preseason football. I didn't realize there was a game tonight until last night. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, we're recording on Thursday, right? I, yes. I, did, yeah. I, did I know there was a game tonight? I don't know. Right. Uh, it, it's just so funny <laughs> because Cowboys, right? yeah. we, uh, yeah, we, I mean, the, the, the preseason matters for injuries and, and pretty much, uh, that's that's it. So what have you been up to? I know you've been really busy. Uh, you just recently, I think Monday, you released the uh, 2021 version of the Fantasy Football Pro Player Profile Almanac, which is available at your website, harrisfootball.com. Um, I will have a link to the podcast, of course, in the show notes here. So do check that out. But it's a great comprehensive guide and it has everything from film grades on arm strength to elusiveness also situation scores uh, but my favorite thing about it of course is uh the snark and the jokes and all of the fun that you have with it so um i just think it's absolutely great i'd love to just hear coming some of your process of of writing the almanac and, and the kind of work that goes into that thank you very much for saying nice things yeah it's it's all consuming i start essentially as soon as the nfl draft is over that that you know like may for you know NFL draft's in April. I guess maybe I give myself a couple of weeks to think about it, but pretty much right the beginning of May is when I start writing 
and it's five profiles a day until I die. <laughs> so I have to, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm writing about 240 player profiles. So I, I make myself do five a day um, from all, all summer. It's a summer long project. And I'll, you know, first I got to come up with ranks and at least initial ranks and they're, the initial ranks bear some resemblance to the ranks that people wind up seeing in the almanac and on my website and stuff. But what I do is once I have those initial ranks, I I'm going to write the profiles in that order, five at a time, starting with number one, going on number five at each position. And I, in most cases, watch a pretty significant amount of film on, on each player. Now I don't watch a lot of Tom Brady film. I actually don't watch a lot of Patrick Mahomes film a little here and there. Uh, the Bra- actually Brady this year was a little more interesting to catch up with because it was just a different team that I was used to seeing him on. But mm-hmm. um, my my thing is to to think about them, to watch what they did, to see if my uh, remaining lingering sense of them from the 2020 season carried over, and still I still feel that way. Uh, often yes, because I have long backgrounds with all these players and have watched film on them for many years, and kind of don't want to be. Uh, completely changed by something that happened some dearly held belief completely changed by one thing I see on film, but I'm also open to changing. Um, and then, you know, I start, I at least kind of substantially know the backbone of what I want to say in that profile. I open Microsoft word. I got to think of a joke. <laughs> most of, them, most <laughs> yeah. of them have something funny about them. Um, and you start just kind of just start, start writing. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a writer. That's what I really am. So maybe that's where I'm most comfortable. And, uh, eventually I look up and it's about three months later and I have this big, you know, this year it's almost 300 pages and, um, it seems to be pretty well received every year. People like it. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's, you know, even just like looking around at other, uh, websites and, and the different, draft guides or whatever that they sell. It's really affordable compared to absolutely everything else out there. So highly recommend it. Um, I think one of, one of the Stay jokes, home, don't tell me that I, I'm going to I'm going to charge 40 bucks next year. Well, I know, but, but right now I'm, I'm talking about right now. I live in the moment, Chris, who knows if we're going to be here next year. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things in the Christian McCaffrey profile is like, I think you ended it with, uh, because you were, you, you've always said that maybe he's not uh, built for the workload that he requires, but uh, I, this is him, him hypothetically saying to you, I told you so, um, and waving hit those tiny boned forefingers in your face. <laughs> I just love the, the tiny boned forefingers. It's just good stuff right there. But I wanted to start before we kind of get into some, uh, philosophical debates or, uh, conversations around how we rank players. I wanted to start with a quiz, if that's okay with you. I, I, I've been listening to your show for, for forever, and I'm going to give you a couple of uh, endearing nicknames from your show and see how many of them you can remember. Does that sound all oh, right, Chris? <laughs> yeah, it sounds, sounds like a challenge. We'll see. But I'm going to start with the one. This was one that I got so mad at you for because <laughs> I had this player in all of my leagues. I was 100% sure that he was the next big thing, and you called him a hippo on roller skates. Who am I talking no about? That it would be Jeremy Hill, former yeah. <laughs> superstar of the Cincinnati Bengals, who I did not think was very good. No, and apparently, apparently, you were right, and I was wrong. Um, I was like, how could he? How could he miss? He was awesome, and then you you just kept calling him that. I was like, ah, oh, Chris is wrong about this one. So yeah, uh, the hippo on roller skates was the first one that I, I really was like, this is this is too good. Okay, baby horse giraffe. <laughs> That's a that's a a newer, uh, more recent nickname for one of the greatest running backs in the history of the league. That would be Adrian Peterson. Very good, very good. Okay, um, the human joystick. He's he's uh, maybe not going to be so joyful this year, but I believe that's Tariq Cohen. Absolutely, and this one's going to be too easy because I think you were talking about him either on today or yesterday's podcast. But the sofa. <laughs> it's Joe Burrow. Yeah. That talk, you want to talk about somebody who's people who don't listen to the show will not understand. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then, and then this might be a, a really uh, tricky one, but you you have a lot of uh, duck themed nicknames for for different uh, players who have you know catching the ball problems. Who is the founder of the Duck family? The original 
uh, Duck Hands was Larry Donnell, I think. <laughs> you you nailed it. You got a hundred percent, which is which is good. It's almost like you uh, you're a part of your your own podcast there. Yeah, <laughs> former Giants touchdown. I I mean, t- tight end. I think it was the first 2015 Giants tight end, and I remember like talking on the show and a lot of the show is me with a guest, but some of it is me by myself. And I was reviewing film on a giants game and I was like, Larry Donnell can't catch except for I couldn't think of a way to say it. He's got, he's got, I don't know. He's got wooden ducks for hands or something. <laughs> it just came out of my mouth and people were like, what now? And I just start that became duck hands became a thing when you can't catch the ball. Yep. No, I love it. And now we've got like duck tats and all other kinds of various nicknames. It's great. I highly recommend uh, the Harris football podcast super good and one of the reasons i wanted to have you on this show is because i have i mean obviously i have a lot of respect for the work you do um or i wouldn't have had you on uh, the shows a few times now um other shows with road not this one this is my first time hosting this one alone um but uh i really uh respect the way you approach fantasy football even though it's quite different than the approach that a lot of us over at road of his use. So I thought having you on the show um, to kind of discuss your process and ranking and how you view fantasy football in general would be really valuable to our listeners who maybe don't always get an opportunity to, to hear from the, the more uh, you know, the film don't lie perspective. So I uh, wanted to bring you in to chat about that and uh, to highly recommend uh, not only the Almanac, but also, of course, your podcast, uh, which people can find absolutely everywhere. Absolutely fantastic podcast. So uh, before we kind of jump into the philosophy, I do have just kind of a couple of questions for you about just various styles of fantasy football. Why do you dislike uh, points per reception leagues? A full point per reception to me is 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 an overcorrection. I understand where it comes from. Um, you know, PPR became a thing in the very early 2000s when if you didn't get LaDainian Tomlinson or Larry Johnson, you like had no chance to win Sean Alexander. Um, and, and people were frustrated. We need some way to diversify because it's not fair. If I'm not picking one or two, I can't win my league. Right. And, there were, and they had a point because that's kind of that's what the NFL was at that point. And so PPR was a response to that. It was like, oh, well, we can make different kinds of running backs be valuable. Plus, we can just make it so that there's a be- that there's a winning strategy to find yourself a hundred catch, sixteen hundred yard, ten touchdown receiver, and have him like. So I understand where PPR comes from, but the league was different, and receptions for especially for running backs weren't. You know, just we're, they, you know, we're right. breaking records every year with hundred catch seasons among running backs, and it it's it's we are overdoing it. We're rewarding a thing that really isn't any kind of reflection of somebody being a good player, and we don't need it as much anymore because those Ladanian Tomlinsons and and Larry Johnsons and Sean Alexanders don't exist in the league anymore. I mean, Derrick Henry had a great season last year, but not not like what those guys used to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you used to be talking about four hundred carries, right? Um, so it feels like an overcorrection and rewarding something that's just not that hard. Ooh, congratulations. Here's a point for your, for your negative three catch for your zero yard catch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's less need to diversify uh strategy. There's a, there's a lot more, if you just played standard fantasy, there's a lot more varied strategies that accomplish the thing full PPR was trying to do. I will say, I think half PPR is okay. I play in a bunch of half PPR leagues uh, because again, you're trying to, widen the variety of, of um, paths that a team can pick to win. But I just don't think full, full PPR is an over-exaggeration for a problem that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. How do you feel about Superflex? A lot of a lot of the new leagues I'm joining are, you know, all Superflex leagues where you're starting one quarterback and you have the opportunity to start another quarterback in that spot or, you know, what other whatever other position you might prefer. But do you like playing in Superflex leagues? Absolutely. It's, they're great. It's the future of fantasy. It's what all fantasy leagues should be. Uh, it's dumb that these these amazing, amazing players and, who play quarterback in the league, you just don't need to draft them. doesn't right. matter. I can wait 10 rounds and get the guy who's 80% of that guy. And even if the one I pick isn't, I'll find someone who is. Quarterback isn't scarce enough in single quarterback fantasy. Superflex is the way you need to play. If you've got the option, if you're starting up a new league, play Superflex. Because once again, I, I think 
all of these things are really intended to create as many paths to winning as possible. And the more scarcity you inject, the more paths there are. Somebody can decide, you know what? I'll take Mahomes in the first round. You know, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't have him ranked that way. Certainly, I haven't ranked in the second round. But I would never get mad at somebody in Superflex from saying Mahomes in the first. Absolutely not. It's a path to winning. Right. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. At first, I didn't like it because I was like, this doesn't feel like football at all. I like the idea of like being a general manager and having a real team with one quarterback. But that's not what we're doing here. And uh, Superflex has become a lot of fun, uh, especially in a lot of the uh, the dynasty leagues. It just changes the whole philosophy because not only do you want to have multiple quarterbacks, but they also tend to, especially the good ones, they stick around for a lot longer than your average running back. So definitely adds a little layer of strategy. How do you feel about tight end premium leagues? I mean, again, I understand where the rule comes from or the the notion comes from because, again, you just don't need to draft a tight end. Uh, most of the time, you can just wait on tight end. So, so I I get you're kind of trying to. Um, boost the position in general. I just don't think it really works because it seems like you're boosting a lot of very similar seeming options. So why? Great. Now, you know, uh, you know, Austin Hooper is now worth 1.5 times as much as Austin Hooper was last year. Cool. He's still worth exactly what 1.5 of Mike Gesicki is and 1.5 of what, uh, you know, name your, name your tight end. You're just Mm -hmm. sort of the rising tide is lifting all boats and I just don't really still don't really need to reach for them. So I don't really think they're necessary. Yeah. I, I, I feel like with the tight end premium, it, it elevates the, the top tier guys like the Kelsey's and Kittles, but, uh, but then like the, the type of tight end you were just talking about for all of those, it's pretty much the same. Uh, well, cool. I just wanted to get kind of your philosophy on, on some of that kind of stuff. Just your, your out, your out, out, I don't know what, what I'm looking for. Your opinion is what I'm looking for. Um, so we just we, we mentioned uh, earlier that there's there's actually football on tonight, which is crazy. Um, very exciting, except for the fact that it's preseason and not all that interesting. But there are so many clickbait articles going around right now. It is the season for you know every small thing becoming a huge story. Uh, on your podcast, you you like to tell, remind people to ignore the farts and whistles, which is absolutely perfect. Um, so what are you looking for this time of year? I know you had Dave Richard on uh, earlier this week and you were talking about like, what are some of the storylines um, going on right now or potential news items or, or whatever it might be that could affect the way you're ranking players? What What is it for you that you're looking for when kind of sifting through your Twitter feed or, or whatever it might be for trying to update ranks. So I'm not doing that. I'm flat and not doing that. And and the problem is that that's not conducive to, to people getting views and listens and stuff. I mean, the, the, the unfortunate thing is that the people who are li- who, who the analysts who appear to be living and dying with every training camp report, they don't really believe it either, hmm. but they, they need you on tenterhooks. They need you, the listener, on tenterhooks. They need you to believe that everything's a big deal. That's true of just local beat reporters too. If people didn't care that Matthew Stafford banged his thumb on a helmet, it, then they wouldn't tune in, and then you wouldn't have a job, right? And so you have to make everything seem. That's that's kind of the story of all of our media in the world right now. Everything needs to seem like a bigger deal than it is. Everything needs to be cranked to ten. And everybody then needs to react to it. And then we need to react to the reaction. Then we need to quote tweet the reaction to the reaction and react to that. And <laughs> everybody just needs to calm down because there yeah. really aren't that many significant stories that come out of training camp. There just aren't. The things that I'll pay attention to, if we want to talk generally, yeah, is please. the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, of course, injury, but it's also it's the negative stuff that you can't help from leaking out because I, I said it today on my podcast, like beat reporters typically cover uh, their teams and they're smart and they're nice. And I know some like they're good, good people, but they, it's some combination of like insider trading where I have to stay on, on the, on the good side of the guys. And then also just some, you know, so Stockholm syndrome, like I'm so close to them that just, I decide everything's good that I see. So most of what comes out of training camps are farts and whistles, sunshine, nonsense, nothing. It's when they start reporting bad stuff, bad quotes, angry feelings, clear bad play on the field. I'll give you an example. This report a couple of days ago, or yesterday I lost track that Joe Burrows have had a hard first week of camp. Right. Yeah. I didn't lower Joe Burrow in my ranks. I didn't like take T Higgins and put him 80th or anything. But when something like that happens, when a negative thing, it just goes on a list that says, huh, now I kind of want to see the Bengals 
first quarter of the first exhibition game. I just want to see what it looks like. I want to see that offensive line have to actually, you know, take a real defensive line on and see what happens for a quarter. Whereas, you know, if, if there hadn't been the story about Joe Burrow, the Bengals could have gotten, they're going to play like Tampa in a couple of weeks and they could have gotten run over the run off the field. And I might've been like, whatever, it's just one game. It's one quarter. Maybe they weren't, you know, they were doing something funny with their playbook. Who knows what they were doing? I'm not going to care about it. I'll probably care about it more because something negative leaked out in training camp. But this whole thing, like, I cannot believe the connection that Sam Darnold has with Dan Arnold. Oh my God, it's going <laughs> to make magic, right? That was, that was everywhere today and I can't avoid it, but I'm trying not, I try not to listen to it. I certainly don't make changes based on it. Um, there are storylines. I talk all July on my show about storylines Every so often we stumble upon one. I want to know what happens to Saquon Barkley. Right. Like I, I, I want to know if and when he comes off the pup list. I want to know what he looks like because there's dramatically diverging paths that can that can, you know, take for him and for the rest of the offense, depending on what news we get out of Giants camp. The the quarterback battle in Denver, uh, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. I want to know what happens. If Drew Locke is is better than he was last year, he gives Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy significantly more upside. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Bridgewater's a good player, but he's somewhat limited and he's very conservative. And I'm not, I'm not, not drafting those guys, but I feel better about them. If Drew Locke proves that he can win that job and like be a little bit better of himself. There are here and there little portions of unknowns. I'd l- I'm, I'm psyched to hear how Justin Fields looks. Cause I think he could take that jo- job over. I don't want Andy Dalton to be the quarterback here and there. I'll, I'll I'll pay attention, but largely so much of it is just Stockholm syndrome and insider trading, and I'm not that interested. Right. Well, um, I read today that James Robinson is unequivocally the starting running back of the Jaguars, so we should probably move <laughs> change him your ranks significantly. Yeah, yeah, I listened to um, a podcast called The Daily Stoic with Ryan Holiday, who's an author and uh, Stoic philosophy and stuff like that. Great guy. He's actually interviewed like uh, a lot of. Uh, GMs like Pete Carroll and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, one of his like strategies to like growth and reducing stress is like blocking out the news. He's like, everyone talks about like how everything is breaking news, breaking news and how we spend all this time talking about like, who's going to win the game. Uh, when really it's like, just wait and you'll find out, <laughs> you know, like reading every practice report on Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater might be entertaining, but uh, until there's a, de- a decision made, you're not really going to be able to have much actionable information. One of the most annoying things to me, though, was one of my favorite podcasts. I won't mention the name. Um, it is not yours or um, or uh, a road of his podcast. Those are my other favorite podcasts. But uh, it, it, for for five days in a row. Not only did they talk about Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers was the headline. Like that was the title of the episode. And I was like, oh my God, I am so sick of, this was before he had decided. I was like, I'm so sick of projecting what might happen with Aaron Rodgers. Like none of this is news. This is just awful. And it was very frustrating. Yeah. Well, this is, especially in sports, there are times of year where the guys still, Stephen A still gets paid. There's just nothing happening. So right. he's got to crank up the outrage machine about something. He doesn't have any other setting. It's only outrage. So yeah, he's just gonna have to yell about Aaron Rodgers for a few days. And it's right. yeah, right. if you choose to consume that stuff, you kind of deserve what you get. And if you manage right. your fantasy teams by it, you also deserve what you get. Yeah, absolutely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So let's dive into uh, just talking about how you rank players, how you determine like where you're putting different players. So um, as people who listen to this podcast know, we we like a pretty heavy analytical approach. Uh, we're, we're looking a lot at like, um, uh, a production profile as well as an athletic profile, trying to determine market share and all that kind of stuff. And I know for you, one of one of your um, one of the things you you talk about often on your podcast is just how difficult it is to assume that you can project uh, a player's market share. We don't know what teams necessarily are good. I know, like you, you've given the examples of like. Uh, now, of course, it's slipping my mind which which ones you gave, but like teams that were supposed to be terrible or awesome that end up being very counter to that and just how we're not always good at projecting that. So talk me through uh, your approach and and how you like to uh, kind of fill out your your rankings. Right. So there's the foundational piece of this is, is maybe running contrary to what... Um your audience likes or wants to hear or and I apologize for that. No, no, but that's why stat- I have you here. I cuz okay. I think it's important. Okay, but stat projections in my mind stink. <laughs> Aren't good. There's no model that's right. I mean, you in other words, there's models that are right to the same extent. They all kind of do exactly the same thing and is garbage in garbage out. You kind of just yeah, there are there are this pass there are 500 pass attempts and therefore there's this many to these receivers and there they are on the depth chart and I'm just going to decide that one's going to get 63% and that one's going to get 22 and I have a reason for it and boom there's the stat line I guess you should draft that guy. And I just don't think that that is really modeling. It kind of is, but it kind of isn't. It kind of is just like expected value. It's kind of like expected share based mm-hmm. largely on what happened last year and from year to year teams are fairly dramatically wildly different and and players i try I, I try to draw the difference between players in baseball whose numbers pretty linearly do correlate to actual abilities that they have in their bodies like stat projections work in baseball i covered baseball for years at espn and i use stat projections and i use stat models and it just it, it made it batting average on balls and uh, on balls in play and uh, you know, I, I basically cut, I think a lot of people who cover, especially maybe people who are like over 40, cut their fantasy covering teeth on baseball and then right. moved to football yeah. and said, Hey, the models all work. So let's, let's start modeling football. And the problem is that those, those that linear uh, correlation that I just talked about from like the skills someone has in their body to the numbers that are going to come out of them is flat out, just not linear. It's just not really super predictable, nor are the goop and gunk that's in between the two that separates those two things. And, you know, I'm not trying to tell you that every single uh, team starts from nothing. Every single team starts in a complete random state. We have we have a sense what a Sean McVay offense looks like. We have a, sh- a sense what a Anthony Lynn offense looks like. Congratulations, Jared Goff. You get to go from one to the other. <laughs> and and. Like we can make some educated guesses around the margins, but for me, what matters most of all is if my dude gets an opportunity, if he if he's chosen to be thrown into the machine of a given offense, what are the odds that he can sustain it? What are the odds that he can keep the job? What are the odds that he's not Jeremy Hill? What are the odds that he's not Alex Collins? These dudes who, you know, in the recent past were just widely presumed, like, of course, that's the guy, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards E. Lair. Of course, yeah. like he's a Chiefs running back, like duh. Of course, I'm just going to put him in. There's there's that many touches for him. There's no way he's not a first round pick. Well, if the coach gets a look at him and decides that's not the case, guess what happens? Uh, you get a, some weird mishmash, and it doesn't wind up being nearly worth the pick, and you feel silly. Um, my, I, I like I wish situations matter so 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 much in the NFL. It matters so much what team a running back on is on. It matters so much what team a wide receiver is on, what what, te- what quarterback a wide receiver is paid for, uh, paired with. The problem is that we're terrible at guessing situations beforehand within a pretty stif- significant statistical model, which is ha- why Vegas is very wealthy and most of us are not. They do over-unders <laughs> and they set them so that the, you know, the sheep 
are very optimistic. Overs always get more money on their on than unders, right? Right. Because that's people like to bet on their team. More fun. And that's why Vegas makes tons and tons of money. So my philosophy says, you know what? I look at all of that confusion and I just don't really believe that people's stat models really vary from one another. They're plugging in essentially the same pretty simple statistical data. Instead, what I'm going to do is say, what happens if that dude gets the chance that people hope for? What happens if that dude gets the chance that people don't know about because the guy ahead of him is is currently ahead of him on the depth chart? And in order to do that, I basically just watch everything. I watch every game uh, all through the season. So like, a, you know, week one goes by, I will sit there Monday and Tuesday and watch every single game and I'll do it for every week of the season. And then I re-familiarize myself in the summer and... What I'm trying to tell you is, of course, situations matter. Of course, I'm paying attention to whether somebody looks like he might have a good offensive line. Of course, I'm paying attention to a play callers, proclivities, etc. But if the dude going into that hole in the machine isn't good enough, that's what I care about. I'm going to try to measure the talent. Yeah. And, and so in measuring the talent, do you find that you... Are, are there certain... Based on the position, like because like uh, in your almanac, you have different film scores of like different categories like speed elusiveness arm strength um are there certain ones that you weight higher than others um or is it kind of all-inclusive and it's kind of independent and variable towards each individual player I think it's a little more like the latter. I, I know that you want the listeners to think this is math. <laughs> it's not. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a very math-oriented group, and I'm sorry for that. Um, it, it isn't math. It's 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 more holistic. What I'm trying to capture by film grades is much less um, because you know this come you know because he has a B in speed and a C plus in elusiveness and a C plus in power and a B minus in, B minus in receiving. That comes out in the math of the grade to a B minus and therefore he ranks 28. Like it, yeah. for me, it doesn't really work that way. Work it's like much that. more, yeah. it's much more like the guy, every guy's kind of has, it's funny. I happen to have the almanac open and you, I was going to say, can you guess the running back that I just described? But of course you can't. Cause I whipped through it real fast, but it was Raheem Mostert mm-hmm. who I had a, a higher power grade on until I actually got to see him play. Cause Raheem Mostert, isn't a huge guy, but runs like a dervish, right? And it looks like he should be knocking guys over. And uh, he certainly is fast, even though, every, you know, all you ever hear any announcer ever say during a Raheem Mostert game is former track star Raheem Mostert. And right. I don't know that I find him to be that level of fast. Um, you know, and and because, so originally, I think last year I had a B power grade for Raheem Mostert and I went to C plus this year. That doesn't really mean, and that means you have to lower him in the ranks. It, it more means, hey, here's where I'm ranking him and here are the qualities that I think make him either kind of average, a little bit above average, very exceptional, but but it isn't a lin- like it isn't a math equation. Yeah. Yeah. That, mean, that, makes, that makes sense to me. Um, do you find it difficult when doing your rookie rankings? Do you use college uh, like college tape on that? Do you make uh, like changes based on like the competition they're playing or are you looking at something else when looking at rookies? Cause I imagine that would be hard uh, because like college football. So there's s- such little parody, <laughs> like watching an Alabama running back destroy, <laughs> destroy a, an Ole Miss defense. That's absolutely gassed and terrible is going to be different than even watching a, a subpar uh, NFL defense trying to stop a running back. Yeah, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not great on rookies before they've played in the league. I'm pretty good on them once I see them start playing, once the games begin. I honestly spend a lot of my winter on the podcast and our YouTube channel trying to educate myself by listening to people who are smarter about college football than I am and try to take okay. it all in. Um, I'm not an expert. I, I, I think it's, like you said, really, really tough to, in a vacuum, look at a college performance and know that that's, you know, they're playing against, as I like to say, the future gym teachers of America, like right. I, I would think they should look pretty good. Right. And so I, I, you know, people like Matt Waldman, people like Brett Coleman, uh, and several other, of my friends, I, I have them, I on, I talk with them. I form my opinions. Of course, I know what's in the ether about them. I know how they tested at the, at the combine. Again, you know, you've got people taking combine and turning in scores and turning it into math one of the blessings of this <laughs> the terrible year has been no combine. And, you know, therefore people are 
people are believing every 4.3 measurement they got at a pro day when we used to laugh at those and say, no, let's just pay attention to the combine score. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so mostly I would say I, I, if you left me to my own devices and didn't give me any friends to talk with, to kind of get it, to get a, a bigger picture of how multiple smart people who are digging into it deeper than I am feel, I would probably be pretty lost. Um, and, and that's why like in my, in my, um, Almanac, I'm never giving rookies grades yet because I just okay, don't know yeah, them well yeah. enough. I, I try to give them a comparison. I try to say, you know, oh, tr- you know, Travis Etienne, I- I'll compare him. Who did I compare him to this year? It was, uh, I don't even remember. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have started talking until I, uh, Javante <laughs> Williams. I compared him to Mark, Mark Ingram. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I can see my, that, yeah. my impression generally is like sort of not huge, but like, short squat burly much more a power runner than a speed runner but good instincts and can run over a guy and that's interesting in the way that mark ingram was interesting but maybe not superstar in the way that mark ingram maybe wasn't a superstar yeah no that's great i i really enjoy hearing your pers- your perspective on it because um it is very different than what a lot a lot of what the listeners hear um on road of his shows and i and i think for my for myself i i'm really not great at math. <laughs> I like to rely on others. <laughs> um, but I also, uh, I grew up, so I grew up in, uh, in West Africa with very little access to football. And so I would be given like every like month or so we'd get like mail delivered to us and there'd be like two or three football games in there, like random NC state Wolfpack games. And I think lots of 49ers games. And I would watch those same games over and over again because I loved football and it was like my only access. And they'd be like super old games, like the season had already ended, you know, but I would watch the same game like four or five times. um, And I like developed like kind of a love for watching film and watching tape. So I definitely uh, see the value in, in being able to, to look at tape, determine which players are, excelling at different things which players are excelling because of their situation like maybe they got a great offensive line or maybe they don't but they're very good and and uh so so i have a lot of respect for that and i really think a nuanced approach um is is really important because uh like you said earlier it's not just how good the player is uh the situation that they're in matters as well the the type of offense they're going to be in is is extremely important and and i wanted to kind of uh bring up a, a a rookie uh that i uh, I think we're fairly similar on based on, on your rank of him, but uh, Rashad Bateman to me is a player that I wanted to chat about with you uh, because from a strictly production and athletic profile, uh, Rashad Bateman is an absolute beast. Um, super fast. Uh, we have a, a, a tool over on Rotoviz that calculates like a freak score, which is based on like his size, weight and speed. And he's in like the 69th percentile for that. Um, which is, which is, you know, great. It's like very similar to like a Justin Jefferson and stuff like that. Anyway, um, his adjusted production index, uh, in the, in the power five was in the 90th percentile, which is super high. It's up there with guys like Calvin Ridley and Brandon cooks, DJ Moore, guys that we, you know, that we like, but his landing spot is absolutely, um, horrific, uh, with a team that in the Baltimore Ravens that throws the ball so little. And I'm just curious what your take is on Rashad Bateman. Um, I know it's really difficult for us to uh, project. And I know that you, you know, you said it's like, we're really bad at projecting usage and stuff like that. But when there's an extreme case like the Baltimore Ravens, do you find yourself, is that part of the reason why Rashad Bateman is ranked low? Yeah, because you're looking at my redraft stuff. And yeah, probably yes. in a redraft league, I wouldn't feel... I mean, I, I heard all the same thing was about Miles Boykin. I heard the exact same thing, man. He was a better athlete. He was a freakier athlete. Like, I've, I've heard it before. So I, I'm I'm going to let Rashad Bateman go go on by in a redraft league. And if if we're wrong and that Ravens offense has really changed around, cool. I'm, in, I'm more into Bateman as a prospect than I ever was Miles Boykin because the people I talk to... Uh, how many times, how many University of Minnesota games did I sit down and watch? That's, that would be zero. <laughs> yeah. That would be, be exactly zero. I, I also just don't have, I don't feel shame in that. That's okay. Right. I'm not an expert in Rashad Bateman right now. Um, my understanding is that he, he really isn't like the unbelievable spark legend. You know, he he's not, like you said, 60 something percent is really, really good. I mean, compared to normal human beings, <laughs> that is. But yeah, it's not like he's an absolute freak freak <laughs> right he's not he's not 90th it wasn't boykin i mean i think boykin is is one of those three sigma like mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, even considered a better prospect just athletically than Bateman, because um, probably because Boykin's bigger, right? Bateman is is much more modestly sized, um, but but like more of a football player than he is just a raw athlete, like just sort of ready to produce. You know, again, I think a lot of people are basing things on a lot of you didn't play, right? So it's been a while for Rashad Bateman, but I but like my comparison for him was like Robert Woods just professional receiver. You want Robert Woods in any walk of life. You want him to be on your NFL team at his peak. You always wanted him to be on a fantasy team. Like when he got with a good team, when he got a great situation, he's just really, really good. Um, Is he, is he Justin Jefferson? That would be a bet. That would be a higher, uh, at least after one year, a higher uh, bar to shoot for, for Bateman. And he might, he might be, I certainly rank him way above, you know, I recommend as a first round rookie uh, dynasty pick. No question about it. Cause when you're talking about just let, let's line up the rookies, I'll take the one rep- with the reputation for being a, a guy who knows how to play the position as opposed to a raw lump of clay that someone's going to mold, in, you know, an athlete that's going to, someone's going to mold into a, a football player. But yeah, redraft, I, I, I think it's too tough of a landing spot. And also don't think that he's like likely, usually these kids who people are, that, you know, ooh and ah over, I wouldn't say usually, very often, they need an adjustment period before right. they can be super reliable for fantasy. And it wasn't the case with Jefferson last year, but, you know, ask me, ask me about Nikhil Harry. I mean, there are way more misses than hits because that's just the NFL draft. But right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm usually just going to go, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I, if Bateman were a better situation, he would be draftable for me. He's not, so he isn't. Yeah, and I, and I feel the same way. I, I went into writing that article on him kind of like, man, I love this player. But this landing spot has me so super scared. So I don't know what to do with this. I'm gonna do some research. So I may as well share it with everyone else. And yeah, I I ended up uh, being a major pass on um, on Rashad Bateman as well. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some split backfields and just uh, just hear kind of what you're thinking on them. Um, I'm gonna start with uh, one of your uh, one of your favorite players. I, I believe in the almanac you uh, refer to him. Um, as, as your son, <laughs> and that's with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you have Josh Jacobs, and, I, and I, I am looking at your PPR scores because uh, we do a lot of PPR stuff um, at Rotoviz. Um, but you have Jacobs at 13, and you have Kenyon Drake at 29. Um, I'll be honest with you. I know you haven't looked a whole lot at ADP yet. You like to wait a little while because you don't want to um, have your uh, your views kind of affected by everyone else not that they would be but i also haven't really looked at everyone else's i can only see what we have here like i i, I just pulled up what we have here at rotaviz and um we have josh jacobs uh, on our site we have him all the way down all the way down geez we have him low we have him down at 25 and you have right. him at 13 so why do you like josh jacobs because he's good at football next question <laughs> so so you are not concerned in the slightest about or are no, you concerned I'm, in the slightest about Kenyon Drake? I'm concerned in the slightest. Yeah, sure. Of course I am. Last year I had Josh Jacobs, I can't remember. It's like, you know, probably eight or something. And most most people had Josh Jacobs as a first rounder last year, close to it. And he got hurt and he didn't play great. And it's been a couple of years of him not playing great. I, I think he's really a terrific player. And I think if we get the healthy season out of him, my hope is that he is able to do the thing that we want uh nominal starting running backs to do this is way more just about Kenyon drake okay what do y'all do what are y'all doing what have you not ever watched Kenyon drake play not you personally no have y'all not watched Kenyon drake play have you ever you ever seen him because it seems like every single time a team has said that's it we made our decision it's Kenyon drake he he wets himself on national tv (laughs) he he did have the great game against what was it against the cowboys last year i believe Um, so yeah that that certainly overweight his overall stats and make him look like a superstar in a way that he very much is not. Uh, I, I I think Kenyon Drake like looks like a, he's going to be an amazing, marvelous, wonderful player in in the uniform, and then almost never is. And I just am relying on that having been the case so far in his career. This is not some twenty three year old kid. He's twenty seven. Yeah, and he's been on you know, a bunch like, of different teams. Like he can't stay yeah. on the same team. He keeps getting moved. <laughs> right. So yeah. like he finished he finished last year in standard fantasy, I think. Um I think I don't I don't know where I, he finished actually. I don't have that in front of me, but uh why did I start that sentence? Like PPR <laughs> would be the only PPR would be the only time where I would be um like I have much lower than that in standard. I'm third in the thirties in standard and I have Jacobs a little bit higher. I have Jacobs 11 in, in PPR. It's just my feeling that 
when we start playing games that matter, the one who's good will play well, and the one who's just a made to be an ancillary piece, and and I think probably will be an ancillary piece. I don't think he's going to be the starting running back for the Raiders. Right. I just don't think it ever works out that it never has worked out that way yet. And he's four years older than Josh Jacobs. I I think he is there to be a pass catcher, and he's definitely going to draw production away. There's no question. But so is every running back in the league going to have production drawn away. And frankly, Stefan, don't you think at this point we we want that? We've seen enough Christian McCaffrey touching, having a thousand scrimmage plays two years ago and getting hurt. Like, I think we want our main guy not to have the loads they used to have. We want, you know, give me 15 carries and then like five or six catches and cool. Every, something else can go to everybody. You know, the Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams thing for years mm-hmm. now before Jamal. It's like, that's worked. It's worked for Aaron Jones. Cool, man. Let's, let's do that. So it's not that I'm saying Jacobs doesn't, uh, it's not that I'm saying Drake doesn't play. It's just, that I think that he plays that supplemental role. Maybe not at first, but I think eventually, cause I think I still think Jacobs is, a great little bundle of power and elusiveness, not, not like track speed, but just I'm, I'm yeah. Like I'm, I am not going to be let Kenyon Drake be the reason that I decide. I don't think Josh Jacobs is worthy of a big workload in the NFL. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, I think uh, just hearing your perspective on Drake, Drake was a guy I was super high on last year. I was really excited about him and man, was I disappointed <laughs> outside of that one game. Um, but yeah, let's uh, move on to kind of a, a so probably be the last one because we're, we're getting short on time here. Uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite players um, coming out as a, he's a rookie this year um, and he's joining a player who you wrote about in, um, in the Almanac. You said now Col- Coleman joins a Motley crew in the Meadowlands, which is less fun than joining Motley crew playing in the Meadowlands. Uh, of course, we're talking <laughs> about Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter. I really like mm. Michael Carter. Uh, he is getting, and, and of course, you know, I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but uh, he's not getting any negative press. He, they're actually saying that he's looking really, really good in spring, which um, again, that could mean anything, but I'm excited about Michael Carter. I think he's a good fit for this offense. Um, I, uh, I have him a lot higher than anyone else over at Rotoviz. Um, I'm kind of like a, a Michael Carter stan, um, but funny. I'm a bit really enjoy him. think he's a, a really fun, dynamic player, like, like Washington with the Tar Heels last year. And Tevin Coleman, to me, is a guy who uh, can't stay healthy. He's not, he's not very, uh, hasn't been very productive when he is healthy. Uh, so totally you, you're pretty low on both of them. Well, I mean, yeah, I am out, outside of your, you know, you got uh, Col- uh, Coleman down at 51 and Carter at 36. Um, is this just more uh, not trusting the offense or is there uh, yeah. something about, uh, Michael Carter specifically that you're kind of shying away from. Well, th- he has something to prove, Michael Carter, no question about it, and it's really it's size related. Yes. Right? I think in the in the almanac I said there's a fine line between being Warwick Dunn and Dion Lewis. Right? And so that's probably the universe he's living in. He's a he's a littler guy, he's not not exactly short, but he's definitely slight and he, so he's going to have to make his way in the league under 200 pounds, 5'10", something like that. He's going to have to make his way in the way Warwick Dunn did. You know, just that's a, an exceptional player uh, who was able to just simply outquick everybody to everything. And we'll see. Like, for, for me, that's that's what it comes down to is like, I, I don't have um, we did we did college film work on our YouTube channel. It wasn't me who did it because I have already said I'm not a college scout. So it was a college scout who did it uh, and found a lot to like about Michael Carter's quickness. If you had. In the NFL, if you had said you could have Michael Carter or Javante Williams, I think I would have picked Carter. So I, okay, I think yeah. I admire your stand on him because I think there's a reason to be excited about him. Because, like, for example, Javante Williams or even like Tevin Coleman, like, I don't think their best case scenarios, I don't think they turn into megastars. And Michael Carter could be work done. That would be a megastar. Okay. Uh, and so I like that. I think you've taken an interesting, like, let let's... In a, in a mid-round kind of pick, let's just shoot for the moon and take a guy who, if it works out for him, if, if everything aligns, cool, I like it. Uh, and I'm with you on Tevin Coleman. Another guy who, everybody who does models said, he's a he's a he's he's the number 13 back in fantasy, right? That's all we ever heard. And yep. it turned out he, was, he wasn't good. And they, as soon as the team realizes someone can't handle it, they don't play them anymore. <laughs> uh, so... I, if I was going to pick one, it would be Carter. No, I mean, you're right. I think the answer here is I'm just highly suspicious. Th- those aren't even the only two guys there. I'm just highly suspicious of the offense in general. Um, Carter as a dynasty rookie type draft, first round pick. Like, I like him good. 
way to go this year. We don't, we don't know situations beforehand and I'm not letting situation be the entire dictator of my evaluation or my ranks. Cause I don't want to pretend that I know what the situation is beforehand. The jets could surprise me and turn out to be good. Um, rookie quarterback. Don't really love the coaching staff. Like I'll, I'll probably just spend my mid round pick somewhere else. But I, if I were going to choose between one of them to take a mid round pick on, it would certainly be Carter. Yeah, no, that's good. And, um, yeah, again, <laughs> I I do find myself on a bit of an island with Michael Carter. He was actually my my third ranked running back um, of the rookies. In the rookie, so in the rookie uh, draft, yeah, de- I, definitely. I you didn't mean like of all the veteran rookie back. That would be quite a stance. Yeah, yeah, three yeah. Overall, I'm, my fantasy draft. Michael I've Carter. got him right behind Alvin Cook. <laughs> Not quite. Um, oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, Chris, I could talk to you forever, but I want to respect your time, and um, I really just appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, just giving us some insight on how you evaluate uh, players and, and and rank them. And I really enjoyed uh, listening to your perspective over the years. And uh, I also just wanted to say a quick aside. Um, Chris is also a fantastic author. The first time we uh, actually, first time I had the pleasure of talking to Chris was after his book Tulsa came out. Um, and uh, it was for a non-fantasy football uh, related podcast. And we just had a great time. So I recommend um, the books that Chris has written as well. Check them out on Amazon. I'll have a link for those. Also, if you're into post-apocalyptic um, novels, Tulsa is definitely uh, the right book for you. But Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Um, always a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you have a great uh, rest of the preseason. And uh, yeah, just uh, been good having you on the show. Well, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it very much. I'm sorry to come in here and be the heretic, <laughs> but <laughs> people can take or leave what I say. I, you know, my, my feeling is that I'm not sure that models vary widely from each other and um, maybe, you know, I, it's funny. Cause like I have a business degree. I have an economics degree. I'm very, very comfortable with spreadsheets. Just, I wish that it, this all stuff boiled down to numbers. I, for me, it doesn't, but I know other people view it differently and I respect all. Right. And I, and I think that's what's most important. And I, and I think that the, the truth of it is, like, if any of these models were um, perfect, like, it, fantasy football would lose a lot of its fun because we, we all know exactly what was going to happen. So uh, it, it's, it's important, I think, to have that nuanced approach. Uh, but thanks again so much, Chris. Uh, pleasure as always. Please do check out uh, the Harris Football Podcast. Again, it is coming out daily now, so you will get all the all the information that you need to prepare for your drafts. Check out the Almanac. You can find the link uh, either here in the show notes or you can check it out over at harrisfootball.com. Uh, there's a link for it there as well. So uh, thanks again for listening. We'll be back with you in a couple days. Travis has his... Uh, his uh, quick hitter episode coming out on Tuesday, and then you can be looking for us again next week. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.